morning. So the Lord has brought us to yet another year. And we can thank and rejoice uh, in the fact that uh, our Lord, our God, is keeping us. And uh, he has kept us and he will uh, continue to uh, keep us. Now, as uh, Wes mentioned, the the text on which the uh, sermon is based today is Genesis 50, uh, verses 22 uh, through 26. And I'm not going to reread it, uh, but if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to it and, you know, have it have it there so we can keep up with the passage there. Now, uh Although the beginning of a new year is uh, somewhat of an of an of an artificial measurement, I do want to agree with my brother uh, West in saying that uh, that God has proven Himself faithful to us. And as we look at this passage today, I want us to keep in mind. I want us to remember that God is faithful. That is one of the fundamental attributes of God that we see throughout Scripture, his faithfulness. And his love is displayed in the fact that he's consistent, that he always shows up, and if he makes a commitment, he does what he says he's going to do. My brothers and sisters, that's love. So... I want to pray for us during this time, and I want us to remember God's faithfulness and his love that he's displayed uh, towards us in bringing us into this new year. Uh, Father in heaven, I touch and agree with the prayers that have been offered to you uh, thus far in uh, this gathering on today. Lord, as I consider the world that we live in, I must say, where would we be without a God on our side? Lord, we look to you even in this moment right now, Lord Jesus, that your spirit would move in a special way that blind eyes would be opened, that deaf ears would be able to hear, and that hearts, hardened hearts, would be softened by the truth of your gospel. Lord, I decrease that you may increase. So, Lord, give me concision of speech and conviction of heart. And we thank you, and we count it as done. It is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that I do pray. Amen. So let me look up here. Okay, so the title is not up there. But if you have a bulletin, which many of you uh, probably uh, were sent in an email, uh, you probably saw 
the title of my sermon and immediately thought about a, a 1967 movie of the same name, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Uh, now, if you think that that's where I got the name from, uh, you'd actually be correct. I'm not going to act <laughs> as if that's not where I got the name from, but uh, because I did. But uh, the title of that movie is about the extent of the parallels between that movie and my sermon on today. Uh, because honestly, I've never seen that movie in my life. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I can't uh, m- make any uh, grand illustrations from that movie because I've never seen it. But I thought that the title would lay a decent foundation in our minds as we reflect the ever-present God who dwells with us. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, Visiting the iniquities of the children of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. My brothers and sisters, this is the character of God, which is found in Exodus chapter 34, verses six and seven. Yahweh proclaims himself to be a God who is actively involved in the world he created. And from Genesis to Revelation, God proves himself to be the God who visits and communes with his creation and with his people. In our passage today, God once again, Yahweh once again, proves himself to be a faithful and present father. Joseph the character in our story today. Joseph has reached the twilight of his life. By the grace of God, Joseph has lived 110 years, which is a long and fruitful life. Joseph's longevity is a testament, again, to the faithfulness of God. Now, Joseph, if you're familiar with the Bible, has one of those histories that simply moves the heart. Joseph's story can downright make you angry, (laughs) and it should. Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. He was falsely reported to be dead. He was falsely accused of sexual assault. And then he was thrown into prison and forgotten about. But Joseph's story also demonstrates the faithful hand of God. Because through it all, God kept Joseph. That is why in Genesis 50, verse number 20, Joseph can say to the same brothers who sold him into slavery, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God, God meant it for good 
And so, my brothers and sisters, this is our faithful God who always lives up to his character. If God says that he is faithful, then he proves himself to be faithful. If God says that he is just, then he proves himself to be just. And my brothers and and sisters, 2020 was an impossibly hard year for all of us. It was a difficult year. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of suffering. But God. God has not failed us. God's promises are just as true today. They were just as true in 2020 A.D. as they were in 2020 B.C. God is the same God that he was back then right now. So Joseph, in the twilight of his years, he recognizes that his time is short. And so he calls his brothers together to give them his last will and testament. In verse 24, he tells his brothers that the Lord will surely visit them and deliver them into the promised land. And in verse 25, Joseph emphasizes God's visitation again by saying that God will surely visit them. Now, the importance of these two Hebrew words in verse 25, 24 and 25, that are translated surely visit cannot be overstated. Most English Bibles do a good job of helping us as the readers to understand the importance of these two verses, of these two words rather. But I want to emphasize their importance by letting you all in on one of the elements of black subculture linguistics called Ebonics. So in black popular culture, in black uh, popular culture vernacular, in order to give emphasis, we will sometimes repeat adjectives twice in order to get the point across. So in black popular culture, The food that we ate wasn't good. It was good, good. Usain Bolt isn't just fast. He's fast, fast. Aretha Franklin couldn't just sing, but she could sing, sing. When I get off work, after working a hard day in ministry, I'm not just tired, but I'm tired, tired. Y'all get the point. Y'all get the point. So in verse 25, where many English Bibles render in the Hebrew, from the Hebrew, uh, the words surely visit, the original Hebrew text simply repeats the verb twice. So basically it says, God will visit, visit you. So God is not only going to visit you, he's going to visit, visit you. So God is going to visit his people, and I want you to understand the power of this word visit. It is 
one of the most important words in the entire Bible. Again, as I said before, the importance of this word cannot be overstated. So allow me to to kind of groove on this word for a moment. There are two types of dinner guests. The first type of guest is the person who comes to your home and you're excited that they're coming to visit. They eat and they offer to help you to clean up when everybody else has left. When they get to your home, you're happy to see them arrive. But when they leave your home, you're sad to see them leave. But there's a second type of dinner guest. And this type of dinner guest shows up unannounced. They go in your refrigerator without your permission. They eat up all your food. And somehow they, they, they find your, your secret stash. And, you know, you may have sweet potato pie, you know, one of those, one of those patty pies, you know, tucked away. They, they, they find your, your secret stash. They hog the remote control. And then they leave before everybody else even though they've made a mess and they don't offer to help you clean up. This is the type of guest that you hate to see coming and you're glad when they leave. Now, I want you to catch this because similarly, God has two ways that he can visit people. He can visit you and it will be a pleasant visit. But he can also visit you, and it can be a very, very, very bad day. And for the people of God, God is the wanted dinner guest. But for the enemies of God, he is the unwanted dinner guest. To the children of God, the presence of God feels like heaven. But to the child of wrath, God's presence is a nuisance and sometimes can even be scary. So my brothers and sisters, when God visits us, when God pays a person a visit, he means serious business. When God shows up, the destinies of people are dramatically changed. They are dramatically altered. And my brothers and sisters, God just might mess up your plans when he comes to visit you for instance god visits the tower of babel and when he does he radically changes the course of human history god visits sodom and gomorrah and radically changes their destiny and our passage points forward to when god will visit egypt and change the destiny of egypt and the children of israel In the Exodus, God is the welcomed dinner guest uh, to the children of Israel, but he is the unwelcomed dinner guest to the Egyptians. So, my brothers and sisters, when God shows up, things are changed. When God shows up, trajectories are altered. God showed up and Abram became Abraham, the father of many nations. God showed up and Jacob became Israel and a trickster became a worshiper. God showed up and Simon became Peter and a fisherman became a fisher of men. 
God showed up and Saul became Paul and a murderer became a martyr for the cause of Christ. My brothers and sisters, things change when God shows up. And my brothers and sisters, God has shown up in each and every one of our lives. God has shown up in your life and changed you from an enemy of God to a friend of God, to a beloved son or daughter of the king. And God continues to show up for his children time after time after time after time. So Joseph has witnessed the visitation and faithfulness of God during his life. And this passage is reflecting on God's past faithfulness, and it is looking forward to the promise of God's future faithfulness. Joseph is so confident that God will be faithful to his promises that he makes his brothers swear that they will bring his bones from Egypt to the promised land when God brings them out of Egypt. Now, this, of course, points us forward to the Exodus. But I want you to think about this. At this particular point in the narrative, the children of Israel had prospered in Egypt. It would be many years later when they would find themselves in bondage. Yet and still, Joseph understands that there is something better that God has for them. So he clings to the promises of God, even though he knows he won't live to see them. This reminds us of Moses, who did not get to go into the promised land, but was able to see it and know that God was going to come through for his people. And so Joseph, he knew so confidently, without any shadow of doubt, that God was going to come through, that he made plans on God's promises, even though he would not be alive to make sure it happened. Which raises the question in my mind. What are you expecting God to do based on the promises of God in his word? For some of you, it may be that you have a wayward son or daughter who has left the faith, but you are expecting and anticipating the day when the Lord Jesus will take a hold of their heart. Are you believing? Do you believe that uh, that God will continue to expand his church? Do you believe that God will take care of you, that he will provide for your needs and for the needs of your loved ones? Do you believe that our momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison to anything that we experience right now? My brothers and sisters, can I testify for a moment? I, w- I want to take it back to, to my black church roots. Can I, can I testify for a little bit? I want to take a moment to, to brag on my Lord, to brag on my Savior and my King. I want to testify about the goodness of the Lord in my own life. God has never failed me. God reached down into the muck and the mire of my sin, and he delivered me, and he saved me, and he calls me his own. He calls me his beloved son. He kept me through three and a half years of seminary, 
driving on the road two and a half hours to, to Birmingham every single day with a few hours of sleep and a whole bunch of coffee. God restored my declining health in 2018. God healed my marriage. He is putting people in my life to advocate for me, to hold me accountable, to to pray for me. And my brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God decided to pay little old me a visit. So my brothers and sisters, again, how has God visited you in your life? Well, I can tell you at least one way. He brought you through the year that was 2020. And can I remind you about something? His promises didn't fail you once. But can I tell you even more importantly how God has visited you. The Bible tells us that while we were yet in sin, Christ died for us. The Bible tells us in the Gospel of John that the Word, the divine logos of God, the Word became flesh and tabernacled with us. That means he set up residence with us. I'm so glad that our God decided to pay this little old world a visit because Jesus' death at Calvary is the hinge that changed the trajectory of human history. The destiny of human history was permanently altered when Jesus showed up. And my brothers and sister, when, sisters, when Jesus shows up, he shows out. And my brothers and sisters, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he had promised us that he would send us a helper. And so when Jesus ascended to the Father, he sent us another visitor who sets up permanent residence within our hearts. The spirit of the living God not only visits us one time, but he dwells within us. So this raises another question. As I look at the life of Joseph. And I think about the faithfulness and as I think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for us, there is a question that is raised in my mind. How will you live knowing that the promises of God are true? How will you orient your life knowing that the promises of God are true? How will you share the gospel knowing that the spirit can and will grant new life? Will you pray? Will you pray to God knowing that he can heal? Will you pray to God knowing that he can deliver? Will you encourage people? To repent and believe the gospel. And will you yourself repent and believe the gospel? 
2020 was a hard year. Uh, but as my friend West so perfectly articulated, uh, God doesn't look at time the, the, the way that we do. And so how will you trust God when and if your 2021 looks very similar to 2020? Because I can tell you just because you may experience some of the same, it don't mean that God ain't faithful. Because his promises are yes and amen. Our God has never lost a battle. If he gets into the fight, he wins. So how will you live knowing that our God is faithful and he's faithful to keep his promises? Just like Joseph, who knew that he wasn't going to live to go into the promised land, but he knew he had so much confidence, he had so much faith in the promises of God. It reminds me of the Hebrew children in the furnace. Who made the decision that even if God does not deliver us out of the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar, we know that he can, but we will not bow to this idol. So my brothers and sisters, I encourage you to lay a hold of your faith. Grasp your faith. Joseph, because of his faith that he displayed here, found himself in that great hall of faith, as it is called in Hebrews chapter 11. But if you turn over to chapter 12, Verse number one, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, this is Hebrews 12, verse one. Excuse me. Let me back up. Hebrews 11, verse 39. It says, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us my brothers and sisters that something better is the lord jesus christ sometimes i i I reflect and I'm, i'm getting ready to take my seat after i say this i promise sometimes i reflect on the prosperity gospel and i wish it was true i wish it was true Because the reality is, is that someone somewhere heard a sermon on December 31st that told them that 2021 was going to be their best year ever, that they were going to get an opportunity to live their best life now. Super unfortunate. 
but Village Church, those who are here in the building and those who are watching via Facebook Live, if I can encourage you in one thing, trust in the promises of God in his word. Depend on his word. This is truth. When every other man fails you, God won't fail. Let's pray. Lord, you are faithful to keep your promises. And I am thankful that you have visited us, your children, and you have set up residence within us by the power of your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would grant this same thing to men and women across your world. Set up residence. Grow your church. Lord, that's what I am trusting you to do in 2021. I don't have a New Year's resolution. I have faith in God. Lord, you define what success. You define the metrics for us in 2021. Lord, we ask you to help us to be faithful and to trust you because you will be. And when everything else fails, you'll still be standing right there. So, Lord, we look to you. We give you thanks. We give you praise, glory, and honor. It is in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit that I do pray. Amen.